Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Weekly Economic and Market Commentary, a podcast about markets, investing, politics, and profit. Each Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills all the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, it's Herb Morgan, Monday, April 5th, 2021. This is our weekly economic and market commentary for the week beginning today. Uh, as a reminder, I am the Chief Investment Officer of Efficient Market Advisors. You can follow me intraweek at, on the Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. Quick disclosure for you, the presentation you're about to see and or hear is designed for use with both investors and financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. This is all completely and purely for informational purposes only. We had one heck of a good week in equity markets last week and a pretty good week in bond markets. The S&P 500 climbed almost 3%. Small cap and mid cap stocks outpaced that. Developed international, strong, positive, but still lagging due to structural problems and a, I think a, a delay or a lag in coronavirus vaccination uh, and immunizations like we have fortunately here in the United States. But emerging markets fully participated, actually shined last week, moving to uh, really, that's their whole year's return. They were basically flatlining up until then. Uh, aggregate bond index up a little bit, high yield strong. Uh, so overall, just a great week on pretty good economic news and economic data. A lot of continued surprises to the upside, which we're going to talk about here as we move through the meeting and through the podcast. As a reminder, uh, for those of you that are following along through your email link, you get to see the slides. For those of you listening on the podcast, you can of course log in, go to our website, you don't need to log in, at efficient-portfolios.com and you can download and view the slides uh, there. Let's start with the Federal Housing Finance Agency's Home Price Index released for the month of January. Uh, January saw a 1% increase, a little bit below expectations, but is now 12%, 12% higher on a year-over-year basis. Uh, the gain, which was big for a month, anytime you get a 1% gain, it's pretty big, uh, but it was the smallest monthly gain uh, since last June, where we just had house prices on a tear. <clears throat> a little bit higher interest rates in the last couple of months. Remember, this goes back to January suggests uh, some some little bit of a slowdown in the upward movement in prices, but still, of course, extraordinary. Case-Shiller showed similar things. The Case-Shiller Home Price Index up 1.2, right in line with expectations, up 11.1% year-over-year. That's the highest year-over-year gain that we've seen since March of 2014. You can see that here, where we had very favorable year-over-year comps because we were coming out of the housing crisis of 08, 09, where prices were down, and then flatlining for a period of time. But now we move one month forward to pending home sales, 
Pending home sales in February really tanked. You can see the big, big drop from a year ago. That's the red. You see the blue bar going down, big drop on a month-over-month -month basis. Why? Home prices, which we just showed you, through the roof, pun intended, and a shortage of properties really deterring some buyers. Don't forget, too, February was an extraordinarily unique, extra cold uh, weather month, so that had some impact as well. But people are looking through some of that data, and U.S. consumers, that's you and I, are becoming incredibly confident in this recovery. The March Consumer Confidence from the Conference Board Index rose to 109.7 versus an estimate of 96.9, which is an extraordinary beat. You can see on the right, not as high as it had been pre-pandemic, but highest reading in a year. Respondents said we we're optimistic on the economy, we're optimistic on jobs. The largest monthly gain in almost two decades, that was the, and it exceeded, you know, the consensus is an amalgamation of all of the different economist estimates. This was higher than the highest economist in the survey. There's a record number of people saying, hey, I'm gonna purchase a home in the coming months, and a big surge in people who said they plan to purchase a vehicle or a major appliance. That's why this report, along with a couple others, really are why the markets did so well last week. If there were any doubters about the economic recovery coming out of the virus, there are far fewer of them today than there were before this announcement, uh, this report came out. Continuing on with that same theme, uh, Chicago business, this is similar to the Philly Fed. This is similar to the Philly Fed and also similar to um, uh, the Empire State Manufacturing. New orders here rose to 62.3. The PMI itself came in at 66. Uh, big, big numbers there. Moving on to job situation, weekly claims unfortunately spiked a little bit. We see this as, as not lasting with, for more than a couple of weeks. We're seeing hiring starting to take place in a, in a pretty big way. Let's move on to Marquette's manufacturing PMI uh, rose to 59.1 in line with estimates. New orders, it's almost 61. That's the highest reading in almost seven years. Output prices, so for those who are listening where, where folks are saying no inflationary pressure, not true, lots of inflationary pressure right now due to monetary and fiscal stimulus, pent up demand. Uh, output prices rose to the highest since this series began in May of 2007. The sister reading or a competitor reading, the ISM manufacturing, that's not a typo, that is a 64.7. That's the highest reading since I was a junior in high school, 1983, supplier delivery gauges, highest since 1974. Again, that's saying inflationary price pressures right there, definitely happening. New orders up, employment up, really good number. Manufacturing, of course, about 15% of the U.S. economy. Construction spending fell a little bit, but a really strong year-over-year -year number there for construction spending. You can see that's a volatile series. Not much to see here. Motor vehicle sales surprised to the upside. Bigly, Bigly at 17 and three quarters million. And you saw that conference board survey where people saying we really are planning to buy cars in the coming months. 
I'm in that list. I'm on a waiting list. I think I've told you all this before to buy a car. I've been on that waiting list since January. I don't expect to see my vehicle perhaps until the third or fourth quarter of this year. So long wait lists, that bodes well for future GDP, which when you get to GDP, I think you know we at EMA are still on the higher end of where the street is. I think seven and a half to eight percent GDP is very doable this year. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to get into corporate earnings season now, and I expect those numbers to be excellent. Payrolls from ADP and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, a little bit below on ADP for the month of March. That's, uh, but that's much better than the February number. Big gains in the services sector and hospitality, which is where we need them right now. So overall, an okay report. The Bureau of Labor Statistics report, which came out on Friday when the equity markets were closed, that was a big jump to 916,000. Now we're starting to see some action. This is the kind of thing I like. Revised up a couple of private month, prior months. Private payrolls up almost 800,000. Again, leisure and hospitality picking up, construction picking up. Unemployment rates down to six, but the participation rate's still very low. It did tick up a little, big deal. We need to see participation higher before we put any value in a 6% unemployment rate. Average hourly work earnings fell a little bit, but they're still 4% higher than a year ago. I think the big economic news though on the week, before we get into earnings, which is starting to start later on this week, is going is this infrastructure bill that's proposed. Now, different from a stimulus bill, right? We got this stimulus bill, which is shot of adrenaline now, give money to people and things and throw it around and hope it stimulates economic growth, we'll pay for it later. Infrastructure is a little bit different. It's a multi-year plan to spend on stuff that is expected to deliver economic activity by being there. You know, let's build a new seaport or rail system or interstate highway system. That's infrastructure. But this bill that's being advocated by the administration, I think it recognizes some of the limitations of the, the current debt load of the United States Treasury, about $2.3 trillion dollars. Estimates are to lift GDP by about 1.3%. But remember, they're also talking about higher corporate taxes, which will shave off of GDP. So it might be neutral, slightly better than neutral, slightly negative. Not a lot of expectations for this. Um, you know, we, we, I just am a believer it's better to incentivize the private sector. You can see uh, total annual fixed Fixed investment expenditures expected to go up by about 6% under this American jobs plan. And you can see there's a lot of it that, you know, may or may or may not, you know, the people on the different sides of the political argue, the aisle uh, would argue about the efficacy of some of it. A lot of this green and environmental stuff, which could be good uh, in some people's view, could be not so good in other folks' view. We'll have to wait and see how this all turns out. Uh, then we get into the data this week. Services sector, 85% of the economy, the sporting market and ISM, I will tell you they've already blown the doors off. Uh, job openings or jolts Tuesday, trade, consumer credit, Fed minutes on Wednesday. I, interesting, pay attention to these because if those Fed minutes start to talk about when they will begin to reduce asset purchases, not from a time perspective, but from a trigger perspective, what needs to happen in the economy for us to reduce the spending? That might be in there. That could be interesting. It could move the markets. Jobless claims Thursday, PPI, wholesale inventories on 
Friday. In the end, I thank you for tuning in. As always, don't forget, available. Subscribe, please, with a thumbs up and a like. Tell your friends. Repost, retweet. On the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Podchaser, Podaddict, Pocket Cast, Deezer. I don't even know what half of these are, folks. But our podcast has a name, Slaying Bulls and Bears. Our tagline is, we make the complex and complicated, simple and sensical. It's a weekly economic and market commentary with yours truly. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, please visit www.efficient-portfolios.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly commentary podcast in all the usual ways. And if you wouldn't mind, please rate us in iTunes and tell a friend.